Hey everybody, welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm John Burke, and with me from across the pond is Matt Hudson from whatiwatchnight.co.uk. Matt, how you doing, sir? Yeah, doing very, very, very well, JB. Um, seen a good uh, a few films this week, finally. Been a little bit mm. lean in the last few weeks, and after last week's debacle with my internet, I can tell you right now, barring another surge of awful uh, broadband providers, I will be here for the entire episode for this week jb but yeah i'm yeah. doing well how are you doing pretty good pretty good uh you know i i don't think have i told you the pistachio story yet i, I want to say yes because you said something about pistachios the other day and now I, somebody else told me about pistachios the other day oh, so we do like an ice cream so you tell me and i'll tell you if you did or not uh about uh so at my new job i went to use the restroom. yes you did but you, okay. did, but you didn't expand on it Ah, uh, well, there's not much to expand on. I just was, <laughs> it was baffling to walk into a restroom and find a, a person standing at the uh, the counter uh, eating a bag of pistachios uh, with, with so much fervor. Um, you know, like one after another, like he had a deadline. Um, <laughs> it, it just, I felt like a weird place to choose to have your snack. Um, but, you know, like to each their own. But it's like, you know, I, I find the bathroom not a place where I generally want to bring outside food uh, and also then eat said food um especially there are <laughs> there are so many options for seats uh, at, at this school uh like uh, everywhere there's benches and there's there's like ta- picnic table type things plenty of spots but uh, i was i was a little stunned to walk in and find the guy uh eating pistachios in the in the restroom um it was it was funny because it's just like you know because it you wasn't you well, you don't expect to run into certain things in certain situations. You, know, you walk into a bathroom, there's a lot of things that I would not be surprised to witness. You know, um, <laughs> that was yeah. not one on the list that I was like a- anticipating. So it was uh, just I'm like weird how pistachios uh, <sighs> were the the nut of choice for the bathroom. But you know, I mean, I I, I struggle to eat on certain tables in uh, public refectories <laughs> just because i don't think they've been cleaned there's no way in hell oh, i'm yeah. taking anything into the bathroom to eat it even if i'm on a deadline there is no deadline on this earth which would stop me from eating my food outside of the bathroom but hey look fair play the guy's obviously committed to being where he needed to be and decided the best place to eat his pistachios was in the bathroom but yeah more power to him I guess some snacks are expendable. So, ooh, ooh. Uh, listeners, that's what we're here to talk about. I don't know how to say this title, to be fair. Um, I don't know what's happening in Hollywood with these naming conventions of movie franchises, but we are here to discuss Expendables 4, but it's spelled expend, replace the A, put a 4 there, bulls. So it's expend four bulls. Um, Expendables. It it's kind stupid. of looks like an A, but they didn't do that with three or two. I mean, it starts with an E. So you, your three is you right there. If they, if they do another one, they're replacing the S with a five. You know they will do if they I do another one. I don't know that they will. I feel like they'll throw in a subtitle for five because it's just all of Paradigm. these movie franchises are so all over the place with the naming conventions. None worse than the Fast and the Furious franchise, of course. But um, I wish they would just you know keep it simple. Expendables 4 why do we need to be fancy the whole point of these movies is to throw back to the 80s you know like yes let's keep it easy but um it's been a minute it's been what like 10 years since expendables nine years nine i i don't think i ever saw three um i did and it was i i 
I definitively saw one and two, and I, I liked one and two. Two's okay. Two's all right. I don't mind two. Yeah. First one's okay. Two's, I think, better. Three. Ooh. Who's the villain in three? Is that Gibson? Uh, yes, because the second one is... is um, Van Damme is villain. That's right, yeah. Right? Is, is Van Damme one or two? I think he's two. He's two. Van Damme is two. Villain was like um, I I died laughing when I heard the inspired naming of our our villain. I'm like, oh, you, you worked real hard on that one, guys. So you went, oh, he's the villain because he's French. You know, they got um, the new guy. You got like the 15 year old temp came in and they said, how do you say that? Uh, I don't know, uh, v- villain. Yeah. You've cracked it. That's our that's our bad guy's name. Sweet. Yes, I think I skipped three uh, partly because Mel Gibson was brought in and everyone was kind of like, whoa, a little soon, isn't it? And Obviously, he's had a lot of resurgence since then, but, um, mm-hmm. so I, but you know what, Matt? When I saw the trailer for Expendables Four, I was like, yeah, "This doesn't look too bad." I, I, I like dumb action films sometimes. You know, like sometimes I just want stuff to blow up and muscular guys to flex and go, "Yeah." And then sometimes I watch those movies that I'd be like, "Hey, this sh- sh- could be fun," and realize that it's not fun, and <laughs> it's more like torture and the level of stupidity that they have to get to in order to qualify as stupid is a new bar um it's it's like they're challenging themselves it's like how much dumber can these movies get what if we put our sniper in a wig for some reason that they don't i mean they explain but they don't (laughs) explain (laughs) um when when your number one recurring joke falls on to Randy Couture, a UFC fighter who was, I'm pretty sure, has only been in these movies and UFC based, or I'm sorry, MMA based movies outside yeah. of this. Uh, one character whose name, I think we're supposed to know his dad, but I don't remember the movies well enough to know who he's supposed to be. They show him like for a second later, but uh, Jacob Scipio plays Gallon. Like, the dude just says some of the craziest, like the, I can't imagine who wrote the monologues for this character. Cause they are off the wall. Crazy. Like inappropriate. Is he the one they literally tell to stop talking halfway, partway through. They're just like, just stop. At one point he does stop talking. At least they say so, but then he definitely talks. And then later uh. decides to like, Oh, I'm going to stop, stop talking. I'm like, you've already spoken. You don't get to do that now, but nevertheless, let's get into the stats about Expendables 4. Uh, Director uh, Scott Wow? Is that how you say that? W-A-U-G-H? Wow? War. 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 Kurt Wimmer, Tad Daggerhart, and Max Adams are accredited writers. I am sure they put so much thought into the writing (laughs) of this film, so I'm sure there's not other people listed or whatnot. Um, the the cast now the one thing the expendables franchise has always had was this star-studded action legacy right like that was what they were for it was stallone kind of being this machismo guy going like action films aren't what they used to be we're gonna bring it back to the 80s and and we're gonna have all these like old school washed up uh actors back in and then we trickle in like you got a jet lee you got a jason statham who were more modern but still were definitely on the way out of the traditional machismo based action stars so this one's lacking in that there's no Jet Li, which I don't know if Jet's just like completely retired, but I was a little bummed that Jet wasn't in it because I always liked him and Statham together in the other movies. Mm-hmm. But uh, here we got Jason Statham as Christmas, which I was I did not remember his name was Christmas. And that was surname. blowing my mind. Um, 50 Cent, 
uh, is second build on IMDb. I don't know how that's how they decided to list this, but 50 Cent uh, showing up, Megan Fox, Dolph Lundgren, Tony Ja, Iko Iwas. I'm sure I said that so wrong. I apologize, Iko. We're here um, for it. Andy Garcia. Uh, yes, that's right, folks. This is not Mamma Mia 2, nor is it one of the many uh, old lady rom-coms that Andy Garcia has been frequenting <laughs> in. He has uh, stepped out of that path to be uh, the Kurt Russell character in this movie. I, it, it's such a... Um, I, I don't know why I've now associated Kurt Russell in the Fast and Furious franchise as a type of character that didn't exist in other films. He definitely <laughs> did, but in my head oh, now, no. it's Kurt Russell. Okay. <laughs> um, Sylvester Stallone way down on the list. I don't understand what's going on here. Uh, Randy Couture, Jacob Scipio, and then uh, uh, Levi Tran, or Levy yeah. Tran. Um, she deserves to be re- referenced. I think everyone else can be left off. Um, I don't feel like they play major roles. Anything now. All right, that's that's everybody big. So it's obviously not the level of cast we're used to have. Um, also Arnold Schwarzenegger and Bruce Willis, which obviously understood why Bruce Willis isn't in this cast now, but they were at least in the movie even if they didn't play a major role. Then you had Van Damme, I remember them talking about Seagal. I don't know if he ever actually ended up doing he, one he did, or not. Do you think he had, he had Banderas, Wesley Snipes, Gibson, uh, Harrison wow. Ford, Arnie, Chuck oh, that's Norris. that's right. Yeah, Van Damme, Bruce Willis, like you said, Jet Li, Terry Crews was in it. Uh, yeah. The, uh, these have kind of been sprinkled across the three films. And then you have God, Ronda I, Rousey. I couldn't even get Terry Crews for this? What's happening? I think, like, I think Terry Crews was more um, real life situation. Obviously, he's had a lot of oh. um, sexual assault allegations against oh. hollywood and i think he's oh right 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 he's saying no i'm not, not I don't want the other way you guys no 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 yeah no 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 yeah, so yeah. this was um say historical it's within the last few years but i think he's kind of I stepped remember away that, yeah. and he, probably for the best but you had ronda rousey stone cold steve austin people like that mm-hmm. also kind of popped in and out but you know it's, it's usually like a hall of fame isn't it this was uh, uh was. For the last three and and then i thought oh well well maybe we're just going to really narrow in on like state them and and uh, Stallone, you know, like make mm-hmm. that the more of like a buddy comedy or something or a buddy action film. Um, and they don't really do that either. Uh, the synopsis here for this film, Expendables 4, obviously we need to know the plot. Uh, armed with every weapon they can get their hands on, Ugh. I guess, the Expendables are the world's last line of defense and the team that gets called when all other options are off the table. So that's not the plot of this movie. <laughs> Awful synopsis that is. <laughs> yeah, th- that's the synopsis of the franchise, I guess. Like, big honestly, men get big weapons and blow things up. There's your synopsis. Yeah. Um, so critics are kind of universally not, not liking this. It's got a 15% on RT uh, for critic score, but a 70% on audience score. That does happen with these types of movies. I, I will say, uh, when I was walking out of the theater, surprisingly, two older ladies had gone together to watch Expendables 4 and very much enjoyed it. Uh, they were very excited when we were walking out and they were talking on the way to the car. We were not together, but we just happened to be like in earshot. And um, yeah, they very much uh, seemed to enjoy it. But the meta score says 30. IMDb user score, though, is 5.2, which is much more reasonable to me than 70% on RT. Uh, but I guess that point two is what pushes up that percentage because it doesn't have to be good. It just has to be positive over negative. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Letterbox 2.1. So the Letterbox community out with uh, a vengeance on this film. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, uh, there, there is a lot to dislike about this film. Um, it, it, so many things don't make sense. Uh, some of the performances are way over the top, um, which you know, can can work, except 
the overall plot that we can't go into a lot of details with, folks, because we we had we discussed off air uh, if it's a spoiler, and there is a major point in the early like first twenty minutes that mm-hmm. sets the kind of direction of the plot, and um, the tone of that moment is not matched through a lot of the performances. And that's one of the things I think it does very wrong is it sets up something uh, that could have emotional weight for the film and the characters involved. And it's supposed to, but then the movie's just like, whatever. Um, We're just going to do dumb, stupid things over and over again. Uh, The set design is weird on a lot of it. Uh, There's a (laughs) lot of story. Well, you know, they, they, these movies shouldn't really worry about story so much, right? Like, like we need a basic, like these are, this is the mission, go do the mission type story. And this is, they felt like they had to lay down so much backstory for all of the stuff going on that you're just getting exposition dumps all over the place. Like every time two characters are together, there's an exposition dump. And then the Randy Couture ear joke that is like, ah, well, you see, I used to wrestle back in high school comes up three times in this movie and i'm just like his ears always look like that i don't remember if they made that joke previously if it was like a callback to the other movies i don't feel like it was um uh, the wig thing with dolph lundgren uh he has an axe at one point like he has like it's like a tomahawk i think he calls i think he calls it trauma hawk um and it it's it's like it's set up so hard and it's barely paid off. They, that's the issue with so much of this film is there's so much setup, and then the payoffs never feel like it's worth all of the time it took to do the setup. Like we spent so much time getting this set up and then like, that's the payoff. That's the final thing. That's the mm-hmm. final moment, like across the board. And I don't want to talk ill of specific actors, but I've been playing mortal Kombat one a lot. Uh, I know what's I, coming. I don't know if you know this or not, but Megan Fox is uh, the voice of one of the characters in Mortal Kombat. 1. Yes, N- Nimana or something. Yeah, I know Natara, and, and it's, it's terrible. It's it's. I've heard it, it's very monotone. It feels so out of place with the rest of the game because the rest of the game is so good. And every time she shows up, I'm like, oh, this is bad. And then Just hire voice actors. Yeah, and I'm watching this movie and I'm thinking, hey, you know what? I've liked Megan Fox and stuff. I I, I haven't seen Jennifer's body in a while, but I it's liked her great. performance there. Um, I, I didn't dislike her in the first TMNT movie where she's April O'Neil. I think maybe not as good in the second one, but I, I remembered not minding her. And it's been a it's been a long time since I watched the original three Transformers films. But I liked mm-hmm. her in the first one. I don't think she's in the third one. I think she's in the first two. Um I liked her in the first one back then. I don't know if it holds up. Maybe it doesn't. But man, she she's either just done acting or I don't know, dude. I, I thought she was not good in this. Um, no, I'm with you. And uh, to be fair, she's be- definitely being given terrible dialogue. Like that's that's across the board. I don't think any actor benefits from the lines they're they're asked to say in this film. Fifty Cent feels the most like like I'm going to commit to like trying, even though the the things I'm saying aren't exactly cool. I'm gonna be Fifty Cent. I'm gonna be cool. Mm-hmm. But man, and then. Andy Garcia just chewing the scenery. Um, He's like he has hamming it up so much, right? Like, which maybe is just him. Like, I don't know why I'm doing this movie. I was making a killing in the old lady comedies. You know, he's great in uh, book club too. 
and I think he's at the end of the original book club, and he's incredible in Mamma Mia too, uh, or Mamma Mia colon, here we go again, and I, I think he was in another one. Like, I've, been, I've enjoyed his run of the old, like, attractive silver fox to the ladies. It's been great. And then it's like this. I'm just like, what is he doing here? This is this is feels like I, I have not seen Godfather three, but I've always heard <laughs> he being the worst part of it. And like, that's what this feels like. I was <laughs> really just ugh, man. I most of my complaints, I feel like are spoiler rific. But the, the last thing I'll say, and then I'll pass it off to you, Matt, to say okay. whatever you thought about this film. I, I don't think the action's great for a movie that is built around the action. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, there's some decent fights, but you bring in Tony Jaw and Eco, uh, UAs, and two guys who are incredible martial artists, right? Like, I mean, if you've ever seen the raid or the raid Two redemption, I think it's what it's insane. called. Uh, yes, it is. Yeah. Insane action. Like the guy is incredible martial artist. Um, I've actually never seen Ong Bak. Uh, I know I've heard I have. tremendous things. It's crazy I've seen, choreography. Yeah, I've seen some of the fights like on YouTube. I've just never watched the whole film. I do have it. It's in a binder I'm looking at right now, in fact. Um, and I want to watch it because I love martial art scenes. I love martial art films. And to bring those two guys in and then not really use them enough. Like they use them a little bit, but not enough. And Oh man, like you bring Eco in and you give him this like, uh, like pencil, a giant wooden pencil. I know it's a, uh, a Tonfa, um, I think is the actual name of it, but it's like a sharpened version of it. But <coughs> it's just so it doesn't fit who the guy is supposed to be. Overall, um, I just there was not a lot here uh, to to make it worth the time that you're investing into watching it. If if the I don't expect a movie like this to deliver incredible story. I don't expect it to have great scenes of dialogue. I expect it to deliver on the action and at least simple character motivations. And I don't think it does well on the story at all, that it puts a lot of effort into trying to give us the actions fine, but I've seen better action movies this year. Um, mm -hmm. And it's just, I mean, especially you're, you're putting this out the year John wick four comes out. You're like, you're not going to live up to that but you you want to and it, yeah it's it i was severely disappointed i was really hoping for just a dumb you know turn your brain off action film that's a lot of fun and it, it just wasn't that and the stuff that they did with the story i felt was like come on man focus on what you're good at and you're trying to do like you're uh, i don't know i don't want to make any offensive stereotypes about like people who do Shakespeare when they should be playing football, but that's the vibe, right? It's like, they're trying real hard to give you like Tarantino level Tarantino levels of spoken word, witty dialogue. And it's not that. And then they fail to deliver on the thing that you expect, which is the action. So I will stop rambling. Matt, what did you think of expendables for? Uh, well, I'll whisper it quietly. I actually thought this was bloody good fun. Oh, Wow, I'm joking. Okay. This was bloody oh. awful, John. Every aspect. <laughs> I switched my brain off and still felt so dumb after this. I felt dumber, even though I told myself, don't expect anything. Don't expect anything. Don't expect anything. Oh, crap. This is even worse than I thought. It's one of the worst things I've seen all year. Um, and it genuinely is because for th there's two kind of main reasons. One of them is 
the film in itself that I think everybody, everybody to a man and a woman involved, they're aware of how bad this film is, if you know what I mean, mm. of how self-aware it wants to be. But that cannot save the film because of the reasons that you said, and I'll, I'll dive into as well. But also, Expendables, it used to be, like you say, its greatest hits of getting the old timers back and giving them a kind of, not quite a last hurrah, but a victory lap. Now it's become, but it also always felt like it was kind of poking fun a little bit, though, at those films. Yeah, it was it was macho and and sweaty and testosterone fueled, but it, there was an element of kind of winking at the audience. Here, I feel like it's become the the very thing it swore to destroy. This over bloated, abysmal action film, which, like you said, tries to uh, deliver more than it ever ever should do. It tries to deliver stakes and gravitas and big kind of meaningful um taglines and uh and relationships but none of them work because every everybody in this film is horrific there is not one good performance in this the only good thing i the only thing fun thing i enjoyed which kind of carries over is stallone and statham just kind of riffing off against each other just yeah just coming a little bit of banter i'm here for that other than i that, like statham See, I, and that's the thing is, I shouldn't do because every time a guy opens his mouth with a different accent, I'm like, yeah, I think, how are you? How are you an actor? What, what is this? You're a good-looking guy. Yeah, you know, you, you you can do the action, but how are you an actor? And I, and I love, and I love Stafe. Don't get me wrong, I love so many of his films, but there's something about him that is very watchable. I know what it is. He seems, I don't know, it's just a, it, it's kind of got the magnetic quality to him. I'm not saying like the old film stars of old, but. You know, there's something about him that makes it very hard to dislike, even if the films are like this, really not very good. But um, yeah, the CGI is also really bad in this. The effects in this are very, very, very bad to the point where somebody's in a Jeep and it just looks like they're not in a Jeep. <laughs> this is why you, you can't help but see what's going on right behind them. But um, yes, the action stars have dwindled now to the point where we have 50 Cent, Megan Fox and Randy Couture as integral members of the team. Which yeah, is which Couture's never, been in all of them though. Like, he has, the one, but I mean, kind of yeah. been elevated now to the very top because there's nobody else around him to kind of beef off against. Yeah, and Megan Fox, I'm with you. I think Megan Fox. Uh, I love Jennifer's body. Uh, I think her and Amanda Seyfried are so good. Good in that. It's such a fun film. I think she's really good in this film called Till Death. This kind of, uh, thriller action film a couple of years ago. She's probably her best performance. I really quite really enjoyed her in that. And every now and then she'll pop up and do you know nothing wild but to show everyone look there's more here because i know that she's had a lot of issues with hollywood originally just trying to push her as a sex symbol and nothing else and she's always tried to rally against that as to say you know no i i'm here on merit as well i can act and she's shown that many times but here i just think everybody was told to dial up to 10 and just just go wild because we are introduced to her just absolutely off her rocker screaming and shouting and breaking things at Jason Statham and it never quietens down from there. That's just a film in general. But um do you know what I bet these films are really fun to make though. You know they're fun to make, mm. JB. It's just it's what, I don't know, six weeks maybe of just pouting, posing, flexing, driving fast cars, you know, playing with toy guns and oh. having like play fights with your mates. I bet they're really fun to film, aren't they? They must be. They must be, but I, the way when you said driving fast cars, you reminded me. Every time they're driving and we get a close up, it looks so bad. Yes. Like yes. the separation of the the green screen and or uh, yep. I don't know if they're using the 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 volume. Maybe um, I think but it's the separation. Up green screen. It's so bad, dude. Like it, it's like 
the Effects cheapest looking awful. visuals. I was just stunned at how bad it looked every time. I'm like, wow, stop cutting in close. Uh, it it yeah. looks awful. <laughs> There's a scene of Jason Statham when he's on a bike. He, shoot, this isn't a spoiler. This is in the, it's in the trailer, I think. He goes up a ramp and he... And he's doing his flips in midair. And <laughs> for some reason, the film, the editor, the director and editor decide to have a close shot on his face in midair to make us believe that Jason Statham is riding this goddamn motorcycle 50 feet above the air. And the, the, the editing itself gave me whiplash. It's so, so quick, so quick. And, you know, I don't want to, uh, and I know you don't either, but I don't want to compare everything to John Wick because so many action films nowadays try to be that. And I don't think this is. But when you've got a film like John Wick, which can do action so stylishly, you can have these badass boss fights and also get a sense of, you know, what's going on, get a sense of location, get a sense of um, who's where and who's fighting. Here, you it's just so snappy, quick, 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 quick editing that it, it, you, you lose all sense of urgency. You lose all sense of stakes because I, my brain is trying to catch up with what is going on. So for me films like this and i mean that in a non-derogatory term because like you i just wanted to see uh, these this kind of film should just be a balls to the wall fun action film but you've got to get the action right you know you've got to you've got to get that you've got to deliver good action scenes the, the films of the 80s films of old always had an almost tongue-in-cheek nature despite how you know serious they wanted to be you've got to nail those gags you've got to nail those jokes you've got to get the chemistry right between the characters Yes, Statham is a likable actor. I don't think he's a particularly great lead man in these films. Whereas the action films of old, you, you clung to those heroes. I don't think this film has any of those because I, I, you can't. I, I can't look back at the eighties action films and say with a hand on heart that all of them were incredible. Like nostalgia tells me these are brilliant. There were some very good action films, of course there were. Yeah. But this d- doesn't get those basics right for me. It, get, it has all the cliches. You know, there's a there's a nuclear bomb. Somebody yeah. wants to st- somebody wants to start a war to, to profit from it. I guess there's a betrayal in there. You know, there's all these things that happen which you, you, you've seen before. I mean, I worked out who the villain was just by <laughs> looking at the cast list. Um, but this is I wanted it to be fun, and I found myself just so desensitized to the mindless, awful uh, action on screen. Not the violence; it's the bad action. I got desensitized. I didn't get a thrill from it. I didn't really find any stakes for the characters apart from the beat that you mentioned early on where like you, I thought, okay, this is, this is, this is, this is ballsy. I like this. Mm-hmm. The rest of the film doesn't quite, um, as it goes on, doesn't quite, um, stack up to that, but it's a very, you know, it, it made me think maybe we're going somewhere here because yeah, the last film wasn't great. And I was just looking at the scores just on RT specifically, but, Expendables one got forty one percent. Second one was fresh at sixty seven, and then it's thirty one for three. Thirteen percent has gone down since we started. Thirteen percent for this film. It's the story in the first one is is weak. Uh, like they try real hard. Um, the second one, the story feels more like fleshed out, and it it from what I remember of it, that was my my big takeaway. Again, I, I couldn't tell you the story. I vaguely remember the story of the first one because I was so annoyed with how bad it was. Cause it was like, there was a girl and he had to like go back to save the girl. It's like, why would you go back to save that girl you met for four seconds? Like it, it was like a lot. Um, I don't There was like more to it, but that was something I remember like really being what the heck. Um, there also part of this film feels like in the edit 
no one had control over it because there are parts that feel like like this should have came before that and this definitely happened after that like mm-hmm. um like statham mm-hmm. gives megan fox a knife and has a tracker on it i don't feel like that's a spoiler um i hope no, it's no. not uh no and he immediately looks at the tracker and it shows where she's going but then we see him get there before they have even left unless i'm completely confused at what's happening but like i'm like okay um and and that there's things like that where like uh dolph lundgren is sharpening that axe like he spits on a brick like the sharpening thing and is sharpening the axe on the plane and then later one of the guys who's on the plane with him goes, is that an axe? It's like, dude, he was sharpening it right there opposite him. Yeah. Like it it feels like those scenes are like maybe disconnected. Like maybe they filmed one before the other. And then in the edit, they're just like, let's just leave it. And it's like, but it doesn't make any sense guys. And that's just throughout the film. Those are little problems like that, where it's just like, there's an edit in this is surprising because the editing is awful. Um, I eco always, like you mentioned, he's in this, the, the best scene of the film, going to throw some praise is, when him and Statham, you see in the trailers, they throw down at yeah. one point. That's cool yeah. because, you know, it's, you know, weapons down. Let's just use eco aways for what he's good for, even though, you know, may not be the longest scene in the world. Statham is also known for, he's a he's a seasoned yeah. action um, star now, so they can both oh, yeah. steal these fights. And, you know, that was pretty cool. Um, but they, they've introduced, well, not introduced, so Megan Fox is in the film uh, and Levi Tran is introduced as well. Do not expect any development or even to be fair, any dignity to be afforded to these two women. Megan Fox is there for what you expect Megan Fox to be in a, in a film like this for. She is there for the lads to look at. There's even a scene in there, which is specifically there just so the guys in the audience can go. Yes. So they're very quick, but it's there. Uh, it's, you know, she's, she's not in it for anything other than that. And Levi Tran as well. It's, where the where where she starts, where she ends up, the relationship she forms. I just thought, you know, get out, just 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 stop. I can't. I'm not having this. It is. It is. It is. It's, it, let's not lie. Oh, well, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's it's movies for men. This is a movie for men and men only. And I'm and I'm not going to sit here now and say that is a uh, ostensibly a bad thing. You know what I mean? There's you know films films should be for everybody, but there are some films which are specifically aimed at a certain demographic, male, female, whatever. This is more, very much more geared to the men, and they do not shy away from that. Uh, that doesn't that doesn't in itself make it a bad film. The film itself makes it a bad film. But yeah, yeah don't go and expecting to see uh, Levi Tran or Megan Fox come out of this with kind of any shred of um, dignity. It's not their fault. It's the writing. It's what they're asked to say and do. It's just. It ain't great. I mean, there's two two other moments. Again, they're not spoilers. Jason Statham at one point runs towards a crashing plane, and I'm thinking, "We do. We're going to do soften its fall. What are you doing?" Um, yeah. And it's just, at one point, Jason Statham gets so angry he just throws Megan Fox over a chair. And I thought, "What a reasonable reaction to the news." Uh, it's that kind of film. It is not a very good film. It isn't a so bad. It's good film. It's a so bad. It's so bad film because for me, they didn't get the basics of an action film like this right they failed on the action they failed on the chemistry they failed on the gags or even the cheeky one-liners they throw in cheeky slash cheesy all of it failed the performances are not good at all there's really not much i could say about this that is a positive jb and i don't often like doing that because you want to find something but there are just some films which come along which i can't 
I wanted it to be good. Oh, oh fine. I wanted it to be fun. I wanted it to, I wanted to throw popcorn in the air and whoop and cheer. No, no. by the end of it, I thought, yeah, please don't make Expendables 5 or Expender 5. Just let it die now. You, you waited 10 years for this. That's, that's it done for me now. Especially because of something we will discuss in spoilers. Uh, they, oh. they had an opportunity, but they chose yeah. not to actually take it, which something that movies, when they do that, often, often irritate me. So, yeah, um, but that's our review of Expendables 4 or Expend Forables. Um, we didn't like it. Uh, you know, we wanted to. I feel I feel genuinely honest when I say that. I was really hoping to walk out like oh. having oh what a blast. And it wasn't. Uh it wasn't a blast. Um when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With that, we're going to move into our next segment, which is Chuffed Headlines. Uh, this is movie or pop culture news that caught our attention. Matt, what headline grabbed you this week? John, some good news finally. The, there is light at the end of the tunnel amidst the strike action going on. My headline comes from The Hollywood Reporter by Katie Kilkenny. Writers Guild reaches tentative agreement with studios and streamers. In a, in a significant development that could bring an end to a historic writer strike, the union and the alliance of motion picture and television producers announced a provisional deal on Sunday, the 24th of September. It's been 146 days the writers have been on strike. 146 days, as good as, if not more than, almost probably not quite nearly six months, half a year was desperately trying to do the maths in my head. Then not quite um, half a year, but pretty much all, all of, you know, everybody's favorite TV shows and films and, uh, and productions were initially put on hold because the writers had the temerity, John to want fair, fair rights, fair benefits, fair pay for the work that they do to fund the pockets of the studios and the people at the top. How dare they, and the studios thought the same as well, and weren't going to give it to them. And then the actors said, no, we're going to join in too. The actors, as of now, haven't... Uh, the strike is still ongoing. My understanding, as somebody who has no understanding of this, is that a, a portion of the writer's requests, the WGA requests, also bled into SAG-AFTRA. So you kind of got to imagine that some of those will be adhered to on the actor's side as well. So here's hoping. But this is fantastic news i mean it doesn't need me to read the article the headline in itself tells you what you need to know it is a tentative agreement with the uh, studios and streamers but i imagine now this is it you know the way people are talking this is it this is good news now the writers can get back uh, people like craig mazin the last of us um writer over at max hbo tweeted or xed the other day you know Whilst the strike isn't officially over, as soon as they say it is, we are going straight back to work and we cannot wait. And I've seen other writers and other creatives saying very similar things. And you know, shows aside, we all want to see our favourite shows back. We all want to see our favourite films back. John and myself, we, of course we do. But the main thing here is the people who are writing them, the people who are actually breaking their back to give you these shows, are getting 
fair uh, remuneration. It's not even all about the yep. money. It's the benefits. It's the hours. It's the uh, commitments and agreements that they can't just be flogged anymore. That is a fantastic bit of news. And that is all that matters. That is all that matters. You know, I mean, so many films have been delayed because of this. Who cares? We want them. Yeah, we do. But it doesn't matter. The fact is the people who give us these films and shows are now getting what they deserve. Roll on the day when sag after turn around and say, we are now in a position where we're happy to um, realign and get going again. And, and the Hollywood wheels can get back into motion again. But I think this is great news. And you got to imagine, of course, it's, it's going to happen at some point. You, we knew the news would come sooner or later that the an agreement had been reached. In this case, again, must stress tentatively, but I think it's pretty much pretty much going to be okayed in the next um, 24 to 40 hours, I assume. But you knew the day was coming, but it's so good to have it now. And we just hope that it spurs on uh, AMPTP to get around the table with the actors, SAG-AFTRA, and flesh something out over there. So the people who please and delight so many people around the world and also have to have a job can do so under the best conditions is that such a bad thing to ask for no am i on a high horse no because it's just being a decent person you 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 should get paid what you deserve especially when it comes to what you give back to these studios and the corporates if it wasn't for the writers if it wasn't for the actors and all the hard working crew the studios would be bankrupt uh, and i think they're now starting to realize that and you know more power to the unions i just hope that they can get around the table now jb and get sag after sorted but the writers my friend yeah. We, I know what you're going to say. This is this is great news, isn't it? It is, and you know that's we've been looking towards the future of cinema and TV with uh, fear that we wouldn't have another like maybe another year like COVID, where there's just nothing coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it, it's a shame it took this long. Not from the strikes perspective, obviously, from the the people with the money. Why why did you hold back for so long? It was so uncalled for and i hope they can g- give the actors what they deserve as well um and and won't sit on this for more months because if we've resolved one i assume the goal finally from the studios is that we want to get back into production so you have to resolve the other two so i hope they're ready to come to the table with the the demands um or at least something reasonable because everything i'd heard prior to this uh weekend was everything they counter offered was ridiculous like just yes. not at all uh, even re- not a true negotiation, right? More of like a, well, what if we gave you an extra slice of pizza? And it's like, what? Um, pizza party. Which, you know, as, as an educator, that is our, our bonuses in most cases. Um, Same in clerical, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'm excited. I'm, I'm hopeful that it's um, genuine because the one the last time there was a strike or the last contract, they didn't negotiate for uh, streaming things. Like they were like, no, no, we'll deal with it. We'll deal with it later. So I hope there's nothing like that this time. I hope they've got, I hope they're really taking a deal that they are genuinely happy with and not just being pressured or feeling pressured mm-hmm. to take it. I, and you never, I always feel like when you make a big decision like this, there's room for major regret or like a, did we miss something? I hope not. I really hope that this is a legit step in the right direction that, uh, the industry is is actually trying to write this very wrong ship, but I guess we won't know until we know. Yeah, well, you're right. I, I'd love to think that this is the 
the perfect deal. Like reading reading the response, there is very positive coming out of the WGA. They're saying it's uh, they're very pleased with the, the terms that they've that they've been offered or the, or that they have uh, been have been accepted. Shall we say in the terms they requested, the ones that have been accepted. The understanding, just from reading the offer, is that the, the it's a well, I'll read it out now. It's it's one line. WGA uh, have said we can say with great pride that this deal is exceptional, with meaningful gains and protections for writers in every sector of the membership. That sounds like good news to me, JB. So um, I just hope that we can get the uh, the act sag after around the table soon and put an end to this just for the people involved, let um, let alone the productions involved. Well. My headline is is not bad, but it's not positive. Um, it's another mm. Martin Scorsese says uh, moment. Now, I actually <laughs> pulled the Variety article um, instead of the GQ article that they are writing about, and that's the important thing. They did not interview Martin Scorsese. GQ did, and Variety is looking for some clickbait. Uh, they are talking about the article and some things that he said in the article, and it's a it's a rallying cry that we've heard Scorsese say several times um the, ultimately you know pointing out the the uh, overabundance of the comic book film and there's we've we've talked about that many times on this podcast and I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on this um but there has been uh you know the usual people who are defending the comic book movies people who aren't um I I would say at this point though that the general vibe is comic book movie fatigue, right? Like that seems mm-hmm. to be a phrase that's getting said a lot. So I, I would venture to say more people are, are in the same mindset of Scorsese that we do want other movies. We don't only want comic book movies and I don't think they need to go away. Like the Western isn't the same now as it was in the fifties, but we still get them from time to time. Um, and sometimes they're pretty good. And other mm-hmm. times they're good for the people who like them and everyone else just kind of acts like they don't exist. And I think we're at a point with comic book movies where that's going to start to happen. We're going to start seeing more and more of them who are explicitly being made for the diehard fans of comic book movies. And then everyone else is just going to kind of let them go. And it's partly because they it's oversaturated. There's too much. Um, and they've progressively gotten bad at times and or repetitive. Um, and we, we see that with all major genre films, especially when the genre is so, so narrow. But uh, the particular thing that people really got is that Scorsese's pushing for movie fans to uh, back directors like Christopher Nolan and the Safdie brothers. And of course, Nolan famously directed the Batman trilogy. And that's what people are kind of like latching on to in that. Um, and Variety definitely is pushing that. That's like, they're like, oh, he wants us to back the director who did the Dark Knight trilogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you know genre, genre has very specific set of rules. And I don't think Scorsese is talking about the idea of a comic book when he says comic book movies. He is talking about very specific type of comic book film that the Dark Knight trilogy barely resembles. The only thing the Dark Knight trilogy resembles in a comic book movie is that there is a comic book character in it. Like the, like the opening to the dark Knight is, is heat. He's pulling from heat from Michael Mann's heist film. And you have, you know, there's a heist in, in there's what two heists or three heists in dark Knight rises too. like, 
he's taking the the comic book characters and then putting them in other genre films something we have seen a few marvel movies do ant-man does a heist movie really really well i think it's an excellent example of a heist film in the mcu um there's at least two other ones that like i can't think of what they are now but that were well um spider-man homecoming is is a john hughes film right like it's very much a throwback to the 80s style uh like high school comedy Mm -hmm. and those are refreshing and good examples of when the comic movies have had success. But when they, the ones that we're getting really tired of are specifically, I think the origin stories that fall so heavily onto the genre tropes that, because it's the only way to do those origin type films. And they are the same over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And there's so many because they're introducing every hero um, and few have attempted to just give us a hero in the middle of their run. Um, and I think a lot of us at this point, we get the shorthand of the origin story. So just give us the hero that he already exists. He lives in the world. We understand him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think to, to Scorsese's point, though, is a lot of people are pushing back. So I, I'm not here to, to dispute him. Um, I, I also don't think he is uh, inherently saying they shouldn't exist. But I, I do like variety in my options in all parts of my life, whether we're talking about eating at a restaurant, you know, or going what what food I eat on my own. I like to mix it up from time to time. I don't want to have the same thing every single day. And right now, when you look at the schedule, when you see movies that are coming, it is way more blockbusters and big budget blockbusters yep. in theaters than what we're getting overall. Like there are tons of movies that aren't, those things that come out every year, but they aren't getting the push. They aren't giving the opportunity to, for people to even know that they exist unless you are doing what we do, which is obsess over films, talk about films, write about films Mm -hmm. to a point where, yes, you kind of have to know about all of the movies, but your casual audience, if we said, Hey, have you heard of past lives? Most people will say no. Should have done. But that's, but that's a great example of an excellent film that is, that had a theatrical run, but had zero marketing behind it. That didn't get a push. And now is that a four quadrant film? No, it's not. But a lot of the superhero films aren't either, you know, and, and sometimes that's why they're bad is because they try to be a four quadrant film. And I don't know. We have talked about this many times at this point, I think, but what, what are your thoughts, Matt? I don't know if you got a chance to look at the article or not. Yeah, I did. And what I took from it was, um, I mean, Scorsese, says comic book films are manufactured content. He says it's like AI making a film. Yeah, like he, he does say that there are incredible directors and special effects guys doing beautiful artwork. But his kind of takeaway is what does it all mean? What do these films give you? And, it, you know, I get that. I've, I've seen commentators online saying they get more from an, a, a young girl with superpowers than they do from um, Leo DiCaprio and Wolf of Wall Street. I think I'm not entirely sure you understood the meaning of either of those things. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, it's, we've got Killers of the Flower Moon coming out. Scorsese's on the press tour. The uh, GQ are licking their lips now thinking, we are going to mention, we, we, we are going to twist this and we are going to get a headline and it's going to blow up. And, you know, congratulations because it has done. Just reading through the article and seeing the, you know, the furore online, usually on X, uh, you've some part of some of it is old man yells at cloud. Sorry to the Scorsese lovers yeah. out there, but some of it is that. But there's also a lot of pushback from comic book purists who do think that comic book films are high art. Fair enough if you do. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're not. 
but there are also the film bros who are desperate to defend Scorsese and everything he says. And it just becomes this crapshoot of, and I'm, listen, I'm not going to say my opinion is worth any more than anybody else or even better, but you get so much rubbish just spouted online because there's, it comes from a place of passion, but a little bit too much. It's not willing to have a bit of give or take to what your point there, JB. I, yeah. When I go to a restaurant, I don't just order a burger all the time and chips. I like to order something different. I'll go to a different restaurant sometimes, believe it or not. And I'll order something. I'll order a completely different cuisine from a different part of the world because I want to expand. I want to try and absorb as much of it and eat as much as I can before I shuffle off this mortal coil. I love Star Wars. I love horror films, but I don't just, you know, explicitly watch those films. That's yeah, that, exactly. I, I try to watch as many as possible. Do I, do I, do I agree of Scorsese to a point that now, now things like quantum mania and multiverse of madness simply exist just because there's this, they've written themselves into the corner of having a forward thinking narrative cinematic universe and they just have to pump content out. Yes, I do. And I think those films are awful, but do I also look back and think was infinity one of the, one of the best blockbusters I've seen in the last decade? A hundred percent. Yes. Do I think some of the other Avengers films or MCU films have been some of the better blockbusters I've seen in the past 15 years. Yes, some of them are, because they are just damn good films that give you what you want, unlike Expendables 4. Um, but then, yeah, there are films out there like Past Lives, which I think is sensational, and films which are the antithesis of comic book films, which I love just as much. And I don't think there's anything wrong with having having both. I, is there too much on the menu which is aiming towards the big, flashy, £300 million um, like effects driven monst- monstrosities yes there is but they make the money generally speaking generally speaking they make the money for the multiplexes and for the studios a24 have probably made no money really off of past lives they may they're making about i think 70 million on talk to me and that's being seen as a huge success now for first time directors it is for the budget it is and for the fact that it's a damn good film 70 million is huge but is that going to satiate the, the 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 multiplex owners? Who th- is that going to keep them alive? So there's yeah. this weird kind of give and take where you need these films, and so many people, including myself and you as well, who, who like these blockbusters. But you know, it, will, will the next generation grow up and think that cinema is just big blockbusters? They're, 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 that is probably true too. But as long as there are Scorseses, as long as there are Nolans and the Safdies uh, and Spielbergs well, who are who have pushed the envelope before and new directors come along to push those boundaries. You know, the cinema will always exist film or whatever, you know, f- tr- true film in Scorsese's eyes, true art will always you exist. Know, the the thing that neither of us said, and, and I, I didn't think about it until you just said it now, but what, so I hope the GQ article, I need to go and actually read the GQ article, but I hope someone pointed out to Scorsese that the two highest grossing films, two of the highest grossing films of the summer were not, comic book movies i mean we had oppenheimer who wasn't in the top, it's in the top 10 yeah but oppenheimer not not a comic book movie and obviously nolan yes but like greta gerwig's barbie which in theory is a blockbuster and it by by numbers is definitely a blockbuster but it's telling a very personal yeah. story through Straddles ip the line the ip is the blockbuster but barbie if you told me, John, but is Barbie going to make 1.5 billion? I would have said no, just because I didn't think that mass appeal was there or that blockbuster appeal. But to your point, you're right. It is. And that, that is worth mentioning. Yeah. Just that, like 
this like when you look at the biggest flops of the summer they're all comic book movies right everyone expected the flash to do really well and it didn't (laughs) we expected blue beetle to do a little better than it did guardians was the one success story all year because if you pull back a little further you get ant-man bombed right um and uh i i'm not hyped for aquaman i don't know if other people are but (laughs) jesus with dc holds the cards now john and i I don't want to labor this point but dc has got a fresh reset now they uh, and yeah that yes they're gonna have the dcu i've got to remember to call it that now i think that's what it's called but this new timeline they can now they have a chance to forge their own tone, potentially have more standalone films within the universe rather than having this big connected glut of content. They can be the, the, the ones to push the envelope forward a bit more now, whether they will remains to be seen, but you know, DC have now got a chance to pull ahead in terms of you know, creativity and, you know, dare I say artistic yeah. license. Yeah, for sure. I don't know if they can, but yeah, folks we know this is a recurring uh discussion (laughs) but it's always a good one um because it is (laughs) the industry has changed dramatically anyways but over since covid and the shutdown of the theaters theaters have been struggling like i mean i went on a sunday to see expendables 4 i had maybe eight people in my theater in a giant like one of the bigger auditoriums mind you um i had no line at the concession stand both before and after the movie, uh, there was nobody there. Like, and it's a Sunday now. Granted, Sunday it's football season. People watch football. Um, it's I went early, so people are at church. Like, there are reasons that people might not be at the theater, but I go enough to see where during the summer should be more people. Yeah, and if that's all they're getting, eventually we're going to start losing theaters. And while for a lot of people, that's they they're content with watching their media at home. Um, there's something about the communal nature of cinema. The uh, man going to a horror movie that's packed and everyone oh. having the same reactions to a scare. There's nothing mm. like that. John, and same, or- you imagine going to watch Infinity War or or, or Spider Man No Way Home, but we, you didn't go to watch it. You just went to your front room because the only place you'd watch it was on your own TV. Mm-hmm. Are you get? Are you going to get that event feel? That are you going to get that experience? No, it doesn't matter what no. setup you've got. No, because it's communal. And the more like, again, comedies with the laughter or dramas with the tears, like when it's mm-hmm. a communal experience and everyone is on the same page, yep. it's, it's transcendent. And, uh, I hate to, I hate to think we could lose that. Um, especially like, I don't like of all the things that have gone up in cost while movie theaters have in the past gone up, they seem to have stabilized at the ticket prices. Like our, our theater has been charging the same for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. And now they have the, the subscription services, which were not available for a long time, um, making it a much more feasible option if you are committed to seeing at least two movies. And we're not sponsored by any of these chains, but they seem to be priced about that way where it's it's one month at the price of two tickets. So if you see more than that, you're you're not saving money, but you're saving money per ticket. And mm-hmm. for people like Matt and myself who are going to go at least once a week, if not more, it's a great service that we didn't used to have, you know, it used to be like, okay, can I afford 10 bucks every Saturday? Uh, and now it's like, well, can I afford 20 bucks every month? And, and it's like, yeah, you by yourself. Yeah. They market yeah. it over here. The Cineworld card I have, the unlimited card. Again, we're not sponsored by them, but that's just who, who I'm with. Um, they even market now in their kind of small print on the big screen. It says, you know, yeah, it, 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 it's basically equivalent of less than two tickets. It's like 1.1.8 uh, tickets. And, it saved me a lot of money, but 
Oh, just JB, we, we are we're reviewing Killers of the Flower Moon in a couple of weeks' time. We will do everything we can to not compare it or mention superheroes and Scorsese during that review. We'll do our best, but you, we can't promise. Um, anyways, that's our headlines for the week. Let's get into what we've been consuming, uh, Matt. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I forgot to say before I ask you, uh, media consumption, movies, TV, video games, music, podcasts, anything we use to pass the time between recordings. Uh, Matt, like you said, you've had a slim consumption, so I know you must have lost some media weight. I'm hoping you're going to get some of that back up. What have mm. you been consuming since the last time we recorded? I wish I, wish I lost some actual weight as well along with that. But um, Well, last week I didn't get to uh, fully go into what I've seen, but this week I can do JB. So I've been listening to the horror show. Uh, as I, you guys know, I don't really listen to many podcasts I listen to horror film ones, basically. I don't listen to Star Wars ones. I do one, but I don't listen to any. Um, and I don't really listen to too many other film ones other than some here or there. But I always listen to the horror ones, whether it's Nightmare on Film Street, Horror Show, Dead Meat. I know those guys have been on hiatus for a while because of the strikes. But um, I listened to the horror show. They did a sh- um, uh, an episode on Class of 1999 this week as part of their back-to-school horror series and that was a good fun a film i haven't seen but i listened anyway because some of these kind of odd old films i can get away with not watching but i enjoyed that um i saw ahsoka part six i saw part five last week obviously i don't think i got to mention that um but that was that was very cool part six uh was uh also very good was i think it was uh, i can't even say the weakest one but when it was good it was good but some parts meandered a little bit and it's clearly leading up to the big you know, it's not a two-part finale in terms of a one-two punch. They are going to be in subsequent weeks, but they're leading up to a big, you know, ending of those final two episodes, which is uh, debuts in a few hours. Whilst we're recording, I will not be staying up to watch it because I uh, cherish sleep far too much. So I'll be watching that one in the morning. And in terms of films, JB, um, I have seen obviously Expendables four. Uh, I watched a film called The Puppet Man, which is a Shudder original. The guys from Shudder. I love those guys. They they sent it to me in my screener account. Can't say anything about it because I'm under embargo. All I will say is it's got mm. two of the gnarliest kills I've seen this year in it. <laughs> oh. I, I, again, I won't say anything more, but there's a moment where I was like, just just end it. Just do it. Oh, just do it. Just do it. And it eventually happened. Um, I saw Dumb Money, the, uh, the Wall yeah. Street GameStop film, which came out uh, last week, I think, Craig Gillespie film. Didn't realise... Um, Know, how stacked the cast was for this mm-hmm. film. This yeah. is, even in smaller roles. I mean, this is who's in this? You obviously got Paul Dano, Shailene Woodley are your two, let's say the main actors. Paul Dano is your lead. Seth Rogen's in it. Pete Davidson, Talia Ryder, Sebastian Stan, America Ferreira, Dane DeHaan. They're still trying to make him a thing. Dane DeHaan, Nick Offerman's in it. Vincent D'Onofrio, Clancy Brown, Anthony Ramos, who's uh, appearing in a few oh, things yeah. recently. You know, it's a big cast in this film, very stacked cast. And um, I enjoyed this film. I liked it. I, I I didn't love it. I know it's not 
on the same vein as the Cheetos film, the uh, Blackberry Tetris. Flaming Hot. Uh, Flaming Hot, yes. It? Blackberry Tetris and the oh, other. Oh, yeah, I forgot about Tetris. Just really enjoyed that film. Uh, and those kind of company story films. This is more about, you know, it's GameStop, it's Wall Street, but it's more about Keith Gill, who is uh, just a regular guy who sinks his life savings into GameStop and plays Wall Street at its own game and sends them into a spiralling panic when they realise somebody uh somebody's putting dumb money on which could cost them a lot of money it's a good film i enjoyed it. I, I i kind of hoped to be more drawn into the drama of it like something like air that's what they want air the drama of that film was insanely good as was blackberry they had no right to be as dramatic and dramatic and as tense as they were fantastic i didn't really get that from dumb money i think paul dano is very good in this um pete davidson uh, an actor i'm warming to more and more he's very cool in his role everybody's really competent everyone's really good it just didn't grab me like i hoped it would but still mm. very decent film well worth your time and literally just before coming on air as jb will be able to testify to i watched the new horror film on over there in the states it's hulu in the united kingdom it stars disney plus uh, no one will save you that is that's not a threat john that's just the name of the film it's directed by brian duffield and it really only stars Caitlin Dever, who uh, was so good in Booksmart, and I really like Caitlin Dever in pretty much everything she's in. I think she's a really up-and-coming up actress. And this is a film, again, I'm not going to give any spoilers, you know, the synopsis, Spryn, Caitlin Dever, finds solace within the walls of the home where she grew up until she's awakened one night by strange noises, and I'll just say, from intruders. And any more than that, you think home invasion with a twist. Um... I enjoyed this film. I really, I, I'd heard, I know because JB mentioned it in his message off air that hearing good things, I've heard good things. So I think I went in with you know, expanded expectations that this was going to blow me away. And instead I just thought it was a very decent, very pretty, very, very solid film. Uh, I'd probably knock it straight down a seven and a half out of 10, maybe even a seven. Caitlin Dever is so committed. She's, she's really good in this. She's asked to do an awful lot. It's quite a challenging role because it is pretty much just a one woman show. And then what she's up against will either work for people or it won't. I just wish in some cases studios would just go for practical or prosthetics and costumes and other things because it looks so much better. They didn't. Um, and the, the way the film ended, I think it ended, I think it got a bit bloated towards the end. It lost its way. I thought the ending was a little bit naff. It start, the first 10 minutes actually is very slow. It sounds mm. weird because what I'm about to say now is the film does it, it's not slow in getting where it needs to it's you know it opens with, with before we know it we're in we know this has happened the exciting incident has happened we're off but the kind of 10 minutes that leads up to that is actually incredibly slow and i was wondering if it was actually going to um, pace up a little bit but a uh, very you know very solid film i enjoyed it uh, it's one of the no, it's, say, it's you know, one of the higher horror films i've seen this year it's more of a mystery film as well than straight up horror um, horror mystery drama uh, some of the moments are quite tense. There's some good, the, the production design is very decent and Caitlin Dever is very good leading this thing. I just think I went in expecting it to blow me away and instead I came out pretty satisfied. So um, that's what I've seen this week, JB. What about yourself? You've always got a decent selection. Well, Blank Check uh, did the game. So I, I rewatched the game. I haven't seen mm-hmm. the game, uh, David Fincher's game ages. for a long time. Um it's good it's it's not not surprising but it was better than i remembered uh apparently all i really remembered was the final scene um 
and I didn't remember a lot of the other stuff to it, but I was like, oh, all right. Um, a lot more going on than I recall. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I, I listened to, I finished an audiobook for the house of the Cerulean sea. Uh, yes. really love that book. It's a standalone. It is a fantasy book. Um, but it's like fantasy ingrained in our reality. So it's like set in our world sort of, um, I really liked it a lot. It clicked for my sensibilities all the way, uh, around, um, and also just listen today, uh, blank check, um, is doing on their Patreon commentary on the Pierce Brosnan bond films. Uh, no, okay. <laughs> so I have not seen any of the Pierce Brosnan bond films in their entirety. Really? Something I think okay, you okay. knew. I, um, I, th- I thought in my head, I thought, I know you, you are, you, the Craig ones are really where you kind of, yes, actually stuck with i could have i thought you'd seen the brosnan ones and maybe fell off but yeah. i've seen moments of them like i know the christmas joke uh with the Denise oh. richards film um <laughs> so, so bad. i i a while ago like many years ago at this point i bought a uh, brosnan box set um like bond brosnan box set they had a, like at uh, walmart where it was like a one single box had the movies in it. Right. So I bought that, had it. And I was like, great, I'll, I'll get to watching. And they're like four films. I'm like four, I have three. And so I was really irritated to find out that the bond Brosnan box set that I bought during the Daniel Craig run of the films only has three of the four Brosnan bonds, (laughs) which one's missing. So that's what annoys me more, Matt. That's what annoys me more is it has golden eye world is not enough. And, uh, Die another day. Die another day. Yeah. So it skips the second one, movie. Two, one, three, and four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why would you do that box set? Like, so I, I just ordered Tomorrow Never Dies uh, to this morning. Um, so I'll have that tomorrow, which I'm excited because it's Michelle Yeoh, and I'm like, oh, all right, cool. Um, I watched <laughs> Goldeneye last night though uh, because I wanted to listen to the podcast. Um, hey, Goldeneye's done. good. Not surprised. Yeah. Uh, but um, I had played enough of the game i mostly played the multiplayer oh, in oh, golden yeah. but Good job but uh i i had played enough of the game where like the opening sequence i'm like wow this is the game like this is just what the game was uh that's all i remembered of the games i think that's all i ever i didn't have a 64 so i only played at a friend's house uh, Dave, uh editor for burke reviews dave um back when we were in high school um and uh but yeah, I like the movie. Um, still, I I think the Bond girl, quote unquote, because she's she's a bit different, um, is mm-hmm. maybe the most over the top as an actress. Like she's really like screaming and selling. Like she's a lot. Also, uh, uh, the actress that plays Jean Grey in the X Men movies. Um, oh, Famke Jensen. Yeah, she's playing on a top. Uh, or what? <laughs> and. She's she's not a great actress. Like I really don't think she's like super great. And she her character in that is is a little bit much. Um, but still, still a lot of fun. It's it's definitely tonally completely different than the Craig Bonds, which I really like the tone in the Craig Bonds. So it's it's you I know, still an adjustment. Yeah, yeah, but uh, definitely I can see. I, I hear they get progressively worse though. Hundred um, percent. Yeah, so I'm I'm not exactly <laughs> thrilled to go through all of them, but I did sit through the Moors. So this is. I guess the next logical set. I'm um, thrilled to hear what you think about them all. Yeah, but I do own, I uh, technically own all of them now. I did have to get the second one, which is on the way now. Um, so mm-hmm. I, that's two of the movies I watched tied to the blank check podcast. Okay. Um, 
I caught uh, these two are uh, there are reviews up one at BurkeReviews.com and one at Disappointment Media. Um, I watched The Creator, the new Gareth Edwards film that comes out on the 29th. Um, I didn't like it. Didn't like it. And uh, Sean, myself, David, uh, and a friend of the show, uh, I'll leave his name out just because he's not officially a, been on this podcast, but he's been <laughs> in another Burke Review podcast back in the day. Um, mm-hmm. The four of us walked out, didn't like it. Uh, we were, it's rare for us to all have the same opinion. Like it was even, I think Tuna was like, oh, I'm really glad you didn't like it to me because he thought he was going to have to like, we were going to argue. <laughs> um, and I, I was like, Tuna. nope. I, I was I was trying actively to really connect to this film, and it was just like, "What are y'all doing?" And the this is one of those movies that I already see it's going to make me take a firmer stance than I probably would if I wasn't seeing people like lauded as a masterpiece, comparing it to the sci-fi like Fury Road. And I'm like, no, no, you don't get to do that because it's pretty. Like it's no, there's so many story problems in this movie. Um, and I don't want to, Matt still hasn't seen it. And I don't want to talk too much about it and, and potentially sully Matt's experience. No, no, um, no. Well, the, the, uh, the screening, the multimedia screening for UK critics was, is now this second. Well, I think it finished an hour ago at the science museum in London. Now I couldn't go frankly, because it's not payday for another few days. And I'm, I'm not spending my last bit of money getting to London and back when I could see the film in a day or two's time so uh oh, yeah, i'm thursday. seeing on thursday yeah, uh, yeah. So, but i'm going in with an open mind still jb and i, I respect so. your opinion but i'm going in open-minded but uh, our embargo lifted this afternoon at noon uh so my review is up at burkreviews.com nice. if you re- if you want to read my thoughts i think they're articulated pretty well um but then uh i, I caught the kill room are you familiar with kill room i don't think um, i am it's uma thurman joe mangiliano joe mangiello <laughs> mangiello always room for jello and uh samuel l jackson um samuel l jackson is playing a a jewish deli owner with a beard uh and um so uma thurman's character owns an art gallery joe mangiello is a hitman for the mob uh who has a very particular way in which he kills people which is with a plastic bag suffocating them um and samuel jackson is his uh go-between like they hire they go to him to hire the killer and they're looking for a new way to launder their money and team up with the art gallery as a way of like, we'll, we'll sell art and that will clean our money. Um, it's, it's definitely in the vein of a Coen's brother style, like comedy, uh, like crime comedy. And those tend to work for me. So I, I enjoyed the film. Um, Uma Thurman mostly is having a good time. It seems, uh, Samuel Jackson is just being Sam. He always is the ultimate professional. <laughs> um, I, I like Mangiello or whatever his name is. Um, he, he's got a presence man like i he's not like a shakespearean caliber actor so to speak but he he's he has his tools and he knows how to use them and i i i vibe with him as a, as an actor and i i like him he's there's like a little bit of um vulnerability to his presence and mm-hmm. it it really works in this uh as he kind of finds that he likes art um which he didn't know getting into this uh it, it's it's not it's definitely not like a masterpiece or anything, but I had more fun watching it than the creator. So there you go. Oh, um, cool. And I rewatched uh, with my wife, uh, book club, the next chapter It's the second time I've seen that movie. Um, I like those movies. I don't know what it is. They're they're The old lady comedies really tend to work for me. Um, there you go. What did your wife think of it? Oh, she, we saw it in theaters together. So that's what she like threw it on. And like, I could tell she wanted me to sit and watch it with her. So I did. We, we enjoyed it. It's, it's very charming. Um, nice. yeah. 
keeping up with only murders in the building. Um, we're, I think we're two episodes away from the season finale. Uh, really, really love this show. I can't stress enough. If you have access to only murders in the building that you go through all three seasons, they're great. <laughs> and uh, I have it on my screener account. Oh, you should watch it, man. It's good. <laughs> I have them all. Um, and Mortal Kombat one, uh, I think one of the best fighting games to come out in recent years. Um, it's, oh, wow. it's been so much fun playing it. I, I am, I don't remember the last time a fighting game has really hooked me. And I also don't feel like sometimes I get real anxious. I don't like to lose. Um, and I, I don't mind losing in this, but I also like the controls feel so natural that I I'm finding it hard to lose against the computer. Um, and not in a bad way. I used to play, I've been playing Mortal Kombat since it was in the arcades, MK one. Like I, I used to frequent the arcades. And so it's just been, it's been great feeling that connection, that draw to want to play the game. Um, it makes it feel like the money is worth buying. You know, like I'm like, Oh, I actually want to hop on this and play um, and do like, I'm, I'm collecting all of this. They, they have gear now. Like you unlock, it's a lot of aesthetic stuff, but um, I, I've been really like actively trying to get like every character, a new piece of gear so I can like show off. Like, look, I got the season's gear. Cause every season will have a new theme. Uh, this season is, um, Oops, something with fire. I forgot what it's called, but it's like scorpion inspired. So everything's like everybody has like fire imagery to their costume. So like this orange or yellow, and it's uh, man, I, I wouldn't have thought I'd get that kind of hooked into it, but I am. So that's what I've been consuming, Matt. Uh, the usual smorgasbord of fun. With that, folks, we are done. But before we leave, we have to check in with each other and make sure we're staying bloody awesome. So I need to know, Matt, what are you doing to stay mm-hmm. bloody awesome? Uh, to stay bloody awesome jb i'm dropping a shameless plug however it is relevant the return of movie astrology who hosts that me and john do uh so, oh, <laughs> so it's our sad. own show but uh the return of that man it, uh, it had to be number one because it is a bloody awesome thing to be able to do uh we released our first episode in a year uh though we have been meaning to do it pretty much every month since since that we've been talking about it quite a lot we, we we've, we're dropping a new format we've got a great new format where we cover one year in film but rather than across a kind of bloated two and a half hour episode we are now splitting it into six episodes we one every month we're getting we're looking at plus we get we've got a video podcast on spotify and youtube as well so we're branching out a little bit there but we just get to talk about film history movie astrology is our history lesson for ourselves and for you guys where we get to uh, tick off some films from our watch list hopefully find some new favorites or new films to avoid um and we we love doing it it's 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 a different vibe to the bamp in the sense that we're going back in time and so some things aren't are even newer to us than the new films or films that we've heard about for for decades and we're finally getting around to watching it or this actor or actress we've heard so much about it's the first time maybe we're seeing one of their films there's that kind of almost spontaneity involved with it but we enjoy doing it we had our first episode on 1966 which covered like an introduction to the year and also the best of the rest of the films that didn't make the top 10 highest grossing films we we dove into the ones that we'd seen or the ones that we thought were of most interest but yeah really really enjoying getting back into the saddle there so we're hoping to do it um once a month for about an hour or a month we're going to talk about film history and we hope you guys enjoy it as much as we enjoy doing it so that's how I've been staying bloody awesome, JB. You're involved with that one. It's it's fun to be a part of the, the bloody awesome. I'm glad uh, it's making you feel bloody awesome. I could have used that one as well, but 
I have to pay tribute to my loving wife because it was her birthday yesterday. Um, and uh, we, you know, I, I got her a nice cake from our, our supermarket chain here that makes, I, I argue the best cakes. Like I've never been disappointed with a cake from our supermarket. Um, my wife likes simple things. So simple vanilla cake with buttercream icing. Um, but I had them put instead of roses, there was an option for mums. And I was like, because you're a mum. So you get mums on your cake instead. Uh, tastes the same because it's just icing with color. But, you know, um, <laughs> terrific. Okay. And got her a little present. But then uh, my daughter and I took our, our her mother and my wife um, to uh, Outback. Uh, no, not not sponsored. But um, my wife's pick. She wanted to go to Outback. And we, uh, you know, we, we went all in. We got the Bloomin' Onion. Um, steaks? Oh, dude. Not only did I get steak, Matt, I got to talk about my food for a second. Please do. I got, uh, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to enjoy myself. We're, we don't go to Outback very often, but they mm. have a new, uh, it's a fried chicken with the blooming onion batter on it, which they've had for a while, right? But this one, they have, they've added hot honey, which is a new trend. And I'm loving it the is. hot honey trend. It is. Um, and uh, also, I, I think they were habanero slices on the, the chicken. God damn it. it was so good. It was very spicy. Like the, the first pepper, I was like, mm, maybe I shouldn't eat the pepper. But then I ate the rest of the peppers because uh, I'm no coward. And <laughs> it was delicious. Good. My sirloin was delicious. My potato was delicious. My broccoli was delicious. The uh, blooming onion was quite good. It was a good meal. And we celebrated my wife's birthday. We came home. We were all too full. Waited a good <laughs> hour before we finally uh, sang happy birthday and cut the cake. Um, <laughs> Discipline. But uh, yeah. And. Um, I just, I love her so much. I'm so, uh, happy as we've been together for so long now. Um, in, in the best way, like I never, I remember when we first got together, like, I think my longest relationship was like two years and like, mm -hmm. it, it felt like so much work to make two years happen. And obviously it ended, um, that previous relationship. And so, uh, I remember pretty much every relationship after that, I was always so like, it's so much to make a relationship last. I kind of went in thinking, oh, it, I just will be in short term relationships. And so over 20 years together, um, it's been uh, incredible uh, spending so much of my life, o over half of my life now um, with her. And so happy, happy birthday. Um, and uh, it was fun celebrating. So that's how I stayed bloody awesome was making sure my wife felt loved on her birthday. Yeah, make this old man well up on the other side of the, of the Atlantic. Uh, unexpectedly tender moment from the book, though. My man, I need to get me one of those. A, a cake, not the wife. I need to get me one of those. Uh, a cake. Uh, <laughs> and the other when, one as well. Of course. Whenever you finally make it to Florida, we'll ensure that we go and get a cake from the supermarket chain because they are. And I need to talk to you about that as well off, off air. But um, no, a very happy birthday to, uh, to your wife, Kathy. I hope she had a wonderful day. Uh, and. The meal in itself sounds perfect. I've had an outback before, just once, because I used to have um, one or two over here where I used to live, ah. uh, and it was very, very nice. But like you, I didn't go there very often. So uh, yeah, yeah, I'm glad to hear it was a, uh, a success. Well, folks, we will be back next week to finally, finally talk about Mr. Kramer. That's right, folks. Mm -hmm. John Kramer returns uh, for the first time on our podcast. Uh, well, he yes. won't be here in person, of course. No, no. But Saw X is in theaters everywhere, and that's what we're going to cover. We're going to talk Saw X, um, and for clarity, that's Saw 10, but, uh, you know, Fast Somehow. X earlier this year, Saw X. Um, hopefully, we're going to get a crossover franchise. Uh, <laughs> Saw X, but it's set before Saw 4 or something. I, I don't know how it yeah. works. 
uh, it, it's it's important, folks. You have to do your research. I, I had to watch six and seven and then read a synopsis to connect all the ones I'd seen but forgotten. Um, but yeah, we're going to be reviewing Saw X, so come to the, the show ready um, you know, if, you, if you'd like to play a game. Um, in the meantime, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to us on social media on Instagram. We're at Bloody Awesome Movie Pod and Twitter. We are at BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. On Facebook, you can search Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I, I feel like I really messed up the word bloody there, but Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. Um, you can follow me on BurkeReviews.com and at BurkeReviews on all the social media platforms. Matt, where can they find you? Yeah, whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. And just search for What I Watch Tonight across all of the socials, including Letterboxd. If you like what we're doing here at the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast and over at Movie Astrology, we ask that you take a minute and give us that five-star review on whatever podcast catcher you use to listen. And if you want to, I go over to YouTube, follow Movie Astrology there and give us the like button because uh, please you do. Know, or slam the subscribe button on there. Um, it's going to be a monthly back. show. Um, and we're current plan is to do video for astrology and mix it up a little bit, give you something different. So it's not exactly the same. Um, even though we're not reviewing new movies there. No, no, we're reviewing, uh, movies from a specific year. Um, and, uh, it gives us a lot of reason to watch movies that maybe we wouldn't have ever gotten to. Sometimes that's a great thing. (laughs) I I will say, uh, there's at least three or four movies in the top 10 from 1966 that we are currently in the middle uh, the beginning of, um, that I would probably had never would have known to watch that i love so would never have watched at all which i we're going to talk about one which i think was almost sort of damn good but all be several, several films in, from 66 that i really really liked a lot so nice, um, nice. listen folks if you can um with that we encourage you to keep watching movies and stay bloody awesome Bloody, blood, 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 bloody, 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 awesome!